Welcome to The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Listen to Joe tackle the really tough moral issues, current events, and politics from a Catholic perspective. Now here's Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Hello again, Sixpackers, and welcome back to The Cantankerous Catholic, Episode 74. Father James Altman is the pastor of St. James the Less in La Crosse, Wisconsin. He's beyond all doubt the most courageous priest I've ever heard, a modern Elijah. I'm going to introduce you to Father Altman today. I think you're going to love this. Let me stop for a minute to tell you about a book I just read. It's a book written by a six-packer and loyal listener named Kramer Soderberg. He's a basketball coach at a college in Illinois, and his first book is called Fill Your Cup for Christ, A Spiritual Journey Sown and Grown Through Sports. Don't let the title mislead you, especially if you're not a sports fan. This isn't a book about Catholic college sports. Fill Your Cup for Christ is actually a spiritual growth book written in the Joe Sixpack style. Kramer's taken difficult-to-grasp spiritual concepts that the average Catholic ordinarily finds boring and related them to his experiences in sports in such a way that these classical spiritual principles are easy to grasp, entertaining to read, and life-changing in their impact. I was hooked on this book from the very first page. That's how good it is, and I think you'll love it too. I can't recommend Fill Your Cup for Christ highly enough, so get your copy today in paperback and Kindle edition. You'll find a link for it in my show notes. I haven't been able to learn much about Father Altman's background, but he's a profile in priestly courage. In fact, if I were asked to write a description of the way priests preached in the first century, this modern priest would be my model. I don't know Father Altman, but I can tell you now that my life would be much more richly blessed if I did. The way I found out about Father Altman was by watching a video of him giving a homily a six-packer sent me a link to on YouTube. We're used to five-minute homilies about trying our best to love everyone else and generally have a kumbaya moment several times a day. Well, Father Altman's homilies are nothing like that. This priest has a lot to say, and it's very substantive. And I could tell from this first homily I listened to that what was recommended to me wasn't a fluke or frustrated priest just sounding off, but that he regularly preaches homilies that matter. I've got a priest who gives a great homily, but I could listen to Father Altman all day long. I spent three hours extracting the audio from a YouTube video to include for you in this episode of The Cantankerous Catholic. I went to this trouble because every Catholic needs to hear what Father Altman has to say. In eloquent perfection, he says exactly what needed to be said about what's going on with our bishops and in American society. This is what a courageous priest sounds like. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Family, some people sing in the shower. I think of new homilies. Today, I, mean, I, I got up at three minutes to six. I don't like getting up that early, but felt the need to get up. And after working hard on all this homily that you're going to hear today, 
as I always say, you'll get your money's worth. Another thought came to me while I was in the shower, kind of out of the blue. So I'll share it with you now because it's so pertinent to us today, so applicable. Why do people, why are people the way they are today? Well, they, they fear death. They fear death because they don't know about the afterlife. Or they don't uh, believe. They claim to not believe in the afterlife. So the reason why they're clinging so tenaciously to make sure that not anybody gets sick, they're afraid, they're afraid of dying. We're not afraid of dying. I can't, I can't wait. Hopefully, I'm in a state of grace when I do, because something better is coming. But for godless people, the left, the godless left, the socialist, communist, godless left, Hollywood, etc., they fear dying because they think that's all they have. That's my first thought in the shower. The second thought came right after that. I think that's not that fearing dying is only part of the story. I think the second part of that story is that deep down in every one of us, God has made us for himself. He has called each and every one of us. Not everybody listens. His sheep hear his voice and they follow him. Deep down inside, I think, they actually do think there might be something after death for which they will be held accountable, which is why they are most afraid of dying. Well, that's what I think about in the shower. Dear family, let us this morning truly comprehend the application of today's gospel to this day and every day of our lives henceforth. Firstly, Jesus said to his disciples, peace I leave you, my peace I give to you. Secondly, Jesus said to his disciples, not as the world gives, do I give it to you. Thirdly, and here comes the scary part, because it seems to suggest or infer trial. Jesus said to his disciples, do not let your hearts be troubled or afraid. Fourthly, and here comes a scarier part, when Jesus specifically states that something is coming, some trial. Jesus said to his disciples, and now I have told you this before it happens, so that when it happens, you may believe. And finally, fifthly, and here comes the scariest part of all, when Jesus tells us what, or I should say who, is coming. Jesus said to his disciples, for the ruler of the world is coming. Your family, as always seems to be the case, the Holy Gospel applies to us again, this day in spades. Understand something now. When Jesus said to the apostles, the ruler of the world is coming, Jesus did not say, oh yeah, but then he's leaving. No, Jesus said the ruler of the world is coming. And because the ruler of the world came, remember that, that horrible line at the Last Supper, and Satan entered Judas. Because the ruler of the world came as evidenced by Calvary, we, the faithful, absolutely, unequivocally, and daily need the help of grace to nourish and sustain us in the fight against the ruler of the world who is, who is present and accounted for. We need it every single day of our lives until, until our Blessed Mother comes to crush the head of the ruler of the world and Jesus comes back to judge us, which is why every deplorable and wretched bishop who locked the churches and denied people access to the Holy Mass, the Holy Eucharist, and the sacraments 
will have blood of every lost soul upon their heads. You know what I just saw this morning? This actually delayed me a minute. There's a bishop at somewhere in Tennessee. He said, if a person tries to receive the blessed sacrament on his tongue in the most reverent way we've done for 2,000 years, he will deny the person and he will kick him out of the church. Turn in your crozier, bishop. You're not worthy of it. How dare he? And man, I say to you, they might as well put a blinking pink neon sign above the doorway to every Catholic church. Non-essential, non-essential, non-essential. Pink is a good color choice for McCarrick and his cronies and his ilk, by the way. They are blind and they're leading the blind sheep down the road, the broad road to destruction. You may have heard the latest sign that the apocalypse is upon us. We already know. We already know that Lord's where our blessed mother appeared to St. Bernadette, has been closed. There, where miraculous healing holy water was made available to us by the Queen of Heaven, something all of us need right now, has been closed. The bishops didn't. They went along with it. And just yesterday, I came to find out that the Portuguese government has brought in 3,500 armed soldiers to prevent anyone from going onto the grounds of Fatima. You know, tomorrow's the feast day. And the bishops of Portugal are all on board. They caved there like they did in France, like they did under Henry VIII, except for Bishop St. John Fisher. One bishop out of all of them caved. They're all dead now. I wouldn't have wanted to be any of them except Saint Bishop St. John Fisher. The bishops of Portugal are all on board. Come, blessed mother, come and crush the head of the serpents. Come, Lord Jesus, come and vanquish the ruler of the world. Dear family, there's a reason why at every single holy sacrifice of the mass, the priest prays the following prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Straight out of the gospel. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church. He didn't say on the faith of the bishops. He didn't say on the faith of the, the 75% of baptized Catholics who don't even bother to show up when it was open. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, the church you established, the church you founded, the truth which is handed down to us, the unchanged, unchangeable truth for, for 2,000 years. And graciously grant her peace and unity, not as the world gives peace, but as you give peace. Grant your peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Last year, we pondered how that was not a prayer like, oh, I got a, a friend in Jesus, peace. It wasn't some government's going to give me another handout, peace. Not as the world gives, do I give it to you. I, Jesus, give my peace. The peace he gives specifically when we're being martyred in some way for our faith. And so daily, we must disavow ourselves of the notion that life itself is supposed to be trouble-free. Oh, no, no. Life is nothing but troubles. The little joy mixed in to sustain us in the middle of it. And so daily, we must disavow ourselves of the notion that, that a real and genuine life of faith is supposed to be trouble-free. No, not so. And the litmus test about whether or not we truly understand what Jesus meant when he said, my peace I give you is whether or not we really are at peace in the midst of unjust persecution for our faith. 
This year, let us focus on the second part of that Holy Mass prayer. Let our, not our sins, but on the faith of your church. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will. And as we focus on that, let us ask ourselves a very simple question. Do we think for even a second that it is Jesus's will that for the first time in 2000 years of pandemics, plagues, pestilence, wars, famine, for the first time in 2000 years and after more martyrs than we can count, do we really think it's Jesus's will that any bishop of the Catholic Church locks the church, denies people their God ordained right to attend the holy sacrifice of the mass? and receive the Holy Eucharist, and receive the other sacraments. Is that possibly Jesus' will? Memo to the bishops of the world. The faithful do not need you to look after their bodies. They need you to follow the supreme law of the church and look after their souls and provide for their souls, baptize them, hear their sins, absolve them, and give them the Holy Eucharist that you were ordained to do. And when the government lets over a thousand, you've heard me say this, when the government lets over a thousand people to wander in around Walmart or a proportionate amount of people to wander around Family Dollar or Home Depot or Menards, because those places are essential, when the government itself gives you the right to have people come to church, as if, by the way, here in America, it even thinks it has a right to take away our constitutional right via separation of church and state in the First Amendment. When the government itself gives you exemptions, like in Texas, Ohio, and Iowa, and you still say, lock the people out of the church and deny them the Holy Eucharist, what does that say about their belief about what is or is not essential? If it's safe for a thousand people to be in Walmart, it is safe for a proportionate number of people to be in every Catholic church in this land. You're not looking after their body. You're not doing a better job than the government experts and scientists that you're relying upon in the first place. If they think it's okay for people to be inside a building, then it better be okay for you, especially when it's his house and not family dollar. If you don't get that, it really is time for you to turn in your croziers because you're not capable of leading the people of God in a time of crisis. But what we can expect from so many of them, how can we expect anything different? They didn't lay aside the child molesters. They didn't release the names of offenders in a timely manner to bring peace and healing to the victims and to this day, they haven't cleaned up their own house of so many like McCarrick and his cronies. That truth hurts. Imagine any of them sitting and having to listen to me. Truth hurts. But understand this, dear family. Understand one simple truth. The truth is that, the truth is that I'm not being divisive by speaking the truth. The truth is they are being divisive by their failure to live up to the truth. Just watch how when people of faith actually speak the truth, the worst reactions come from those who are supposed to be leaders of the truth. Look at what the Sanhedrin did when Jesus spoke the truth. Every step of the way, they plotted and they schemed and they hated until they finally killed the truth, or so they thought. So, dear family, let us realize that it does not matter 
whether we are arrested on Holy Thursday after we receive the Paschal sacrifice. Isn't that amazing? First, the Paschal sacrifice. Jesus didn't lock the apostles out of the upper room. First, the Paschal sacrifice, then the arrest. How dare any bishop deny the faithful the Paschal sacrifice? So it doesn't matter whether we're arrested on Holy Thursday after we receive the Paschal sacrifice. It does not matter whether we are killed on Good Friday because we spoke and we lived and we demanded the truth. It does not matter whether we have to spend three days of darkness. You know, Padre Pio actually believed in that. And he's a pretty good saint. I saw, I was this close to his body. And he looks like he's sleeping. He is so incorrupt. It just looks like he's taking a nap. It's no accident that the number is three in the three days of darkness. How many days of darkness did Jesus spend in the tomb? Three. It doesn't matter whether we have to spend three days of darkness in the tomb, as did our Lord and Savior. What matters and what forms the basis of all we do in speaking and in living the truth is that we know we will have Easter Sunday thereafter. That is why, dear family, Jesus said in today's gospel, and now I have told you this before it happens, so that when it happens, and it is, Look around. It's happening right here, right now. We had to turn people away. They're not turning them away at Walmart. Family dollars, doors are wide open. We had to turn people away today. Explain that one to Jesus. I've told you this before it happens, so that when it happens, you may believe for the ruler of the world is coming. He is coming. He is here. He has never left Jesus talked all about his coming, nothing about his leaving. Here's something amazing. Literally, last year, on this day, while pondering today's gospel, I was thinking that maybe the reason why there's so little faith in America, or clearly in the hierarchy, is because there has been no big test of faith. That was my exact thought last year. There's been no big test of faith. Isn't it something? How a year ago... Exactly, May 12, 2019, that thought came to me, that there has been no big test of faith. Nobody knew then, what we know now, the test was coming. Nobody saved Satan and his minions, his minions in the spiritual world, his minions in the human world. Could have known the how and the why the test would come so swiftly and so completely that there are 3,500 armed soldiers with, by the way, ARs, standing around Fatima on the day before our Blessed Mother's Feast Day. What can we say? The bishops didn't argue against it. Bishops didn't defend it. At this time, let us recall the words of the great venerable Archbishop Sheen. It is not easy to convince a nation that denies sin that the wages of sin is death. It is not easy to convince a people that denies the distinction between right and wrong that they may be wrong. That goes for the people, goes for the episcopacy. And let us recall the words of the great Pope St. John Paul II. We are now standing in the face of the greatest historical confrontation humanity has ever experienced. I do not think the wide circle of the American society 
or the wide circle of the Christian community realize this fully. We're now facing the final confrontation between the church and the anti-church, between the gospel and the anti-gospel, between Christ and the antichrist. I'm not some conspiracy theorist here. Pope St. John Paul II said it. This confrontation lies within the plans of divine providence. This we know. We know all about Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Easter Saturday in the tomb. We know all about it. Thanks be to God, we know about Easter Sunday. This confrontation lies within the plans of divine providence. It is therefore in God's plan. And it must be what? It must be a trial which the church must take up and face courageously. Yeah, yeah, let's look around at the church today. It's really taking up the trial. It's really facing it with courage. When I have to turn people away, well, don't worry, just, you know, go to, go to Family Dollar. They're open. Pope St. John Paul II continued, we must prepare ourselves to suffer great trials before long, such as will demand of, of, of us a disposition to give up even life and a total dedication to Christ and for Christ. It's profound. We must prepare ourselves to suffer great trials, not small ones, not medium ones, great trials before long, not sometime in the distant future before long, such as will demand of us a disposition to give up even life. Oh, no, not, not now. Let's close the churches. We're a little afraid of, oh, we might catch a cold. We might catch a flu. Do we fear dying? Because if we do, then we've got a problem that we have to work on. Death is the least of our problems. Being in a state of grace when you die, that's the problem. And that's why we have the holy sacrifice of the mass. That's why we have confession, baptism, and the holy Eucharist. Being in a state of grace, that's our concern and that's our problem. That's the supreme law of the church, something that the hierarchy seems to have forgotten completely. And finally, let us recall how that saintly Pope finished his fervorino. With your and my prayers, it is possible to mitigate the coming tribulation, but it is no longer possible to avert it. Listen, he knew all about Fatima. We've been there, some of us, where he put the bullet in her crown. It's, it's possible. It is possible to mitigate the coming tribulation, but it's no longer possible to avert it, just like she told us in Fatima, just like she told us in Akita. How many times has the renewal of the church sprung from the shedding of blood? This time, too, it will not be otherwise. We must be strong and prepared and trust in Christ and in his holy mother. Be very, very assiduous in praying the Holy Rosary. Someone asked me last night, I was literally, I was in bed. We're praying the rosary now. Will you pray with us? And I'm so tired. I picked it up and prayed it. More than half of it in Latin. I make this joke about you pray it in Latin, you pray twice. So really, I prayed it three, three times. Dear family, it is hard, if not impossible, to imagine more timely words than those of the venerable Bishop Sheen and Pope St. John Paul II. So to end our meditation, let us recall what St. Paul wrote in the first reading which is exactly why we heard St. Paul say in that first reading, just as we heard the same passage this past Sunday, it is necessary for us to undergo many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. It's not shelter at home. Nothing hard about sheltering at home. Let's be faithful. Let's live our faith. Let's be a witness of our faith. Let's be a witness that we do not fear dying. 
which is such a tiny percentage these days anyway, when you look at the numbers, it's been, we've been said, fed such a big lie around the world. The rule of the world, very happy to feed us the lie. Remember, keep in mind that when St. Paul said it is necessary for us to undergo many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, he said that just after they had stoned him and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. There's a hardship for you. Dear family, in these troubled days, when it seems that even so many bishops have abandoned their flocks, when the bishops did not preserve and protect Lourdes and Fatima, let us never forget that it is necessary, not optional, for us to undergo many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Fortunately, we're given the game plan, the playbook, on how to go about winning this game of eternal life, just as Jesus taught us and showed us through his prayer and fasting, we see St. Paul teaching and showing us the exact same thing. They appointed presbyters for the people in each church and with prayer and fasting commanded them to the Lord in whom they had put their faith. Commanded them to the Lord. Because they knew, as we should now, that our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. He made heaven and earth, by the way. Pachamama's not going to save us. Well, let's all be nice to Pachamama. Maybe the plague will go away. No. Pachamama didn't make the earth. Almighty God made the earth. The only way we can have Jesus' peace in the world, not the peace of the world, but Jesus' peace whilst in the world, is to do what he taught and did, just like St. Paul taught and did. So if ever there's a time we're not at peace, doesn't mean we can't be righteously anger, angry, but there's still peace in the middle of it. There's a time when we're not at peace, we just need to look in the mirror and evaluate exactly how much we have not done in our life of prayer and fasting. In these incomprehensible times when we are denied access to the holy sacrifice of the Mass and to the Holy Eucharist and to the sacraments, these times we're denied that by the Catholic Church itself. This isn't the Mexican government in the 20s. This is the hierarchy. Let us resolve to rededicate ourselves to do more so that by prayer and fasting, we build our temporal arcs and our spiritual arcs on Jesus so that he is in our boat, he is in our ark when the storm hits us personally. It's already hitting us now. It's, it's, it's not going to get better. He's in our boat, though, so we'll have his peace, not as the world gives it to us, but as he does. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Wasn't that great? As you've heard me say many times, Father Altman tells us that saying the truth is never divisive, only failing to adhere to the truth. And he gives us a boatload of truth in this homily. He calls a spade a spade when he mentions the godless socialist left, but he doesn't stop with the left. I don't personally know a priest who'd speak the truths he spoke about our bishops in this country. They'd all be too afraid, justifying their fear by saying it'd be divisive to say the truth about the bishops. He called them deplorable and wretched for keeping us from Mass and the sacraments. He rightly said the bishops are leading us down the broad road of destruction. We all need to take Father's homily as a call to action. I've been trying to call you to action to save the church and America since I began the Cantankerous Catholic just over a year ago. Thanks be to God, now you've had a chance to hear it from a good and fearless priest of the living God. That's what I'm talking about! 
Do you have an apostolate you'd like other Catholics to learn about? Maybe you have an e-commerce business and you want to build sales while supporting a Holy Orthodox apostolate. Whatever you want to advertise, the Cantankerous Catholic is your portal to success. The Cantankerous Catholic isn't even a year into broadcasting its weekly shows and we're already listened to in 16 countries, all 50 states, and 101 major cities throughout the U.S. and Canada. Our listener demographics are the most sought after for advertisers. The Cantankerous Catholic avatar is 53% men and 47% women ages 18 to 34. The show's average growth rate through 2019 was 24% per week, and our listeners are Orthodox Catholics who reject heterodox Catholic positions and political correctness. Relative to other broadcasts and online advertising, our rates are extremely cost-effective and inexpensive. You can advertise in each show's show notes, in the recorded episode itself, our weekly newsletter that announces each new episode, all of these media together, or in any combination. So contact us today by filling out the form on the Sponsor Kit page at cantankerouscatholic.com or email Joe Sixpack, the Every Catholic Guy, directly at joe at cantankerouscatholic.com to learn how you can begin driving traffic to whatever you want to promote while helping to support a worthy, orthodox, and hard-hitting apostolate. Joe Sixpack, the Every Catholic Guy, wants to make sure you're informed about all the Catholic news you need to know. Here's Joe Sixpack's top five Catholic news picks for this episode. Catholic news pick number five. Hats off to Catholic World Report. Nearly 200 Catholics marched in protest of a 50-person limit imposed on masses in Dane County, Wisconsin. The county government said that individual churches could face a $1,000 fine for violating the rule. It was clear that government watchers would be present at parishes in order to cite offending churches, said Monsignor James Bartella, vicar general of the Diocese of Madison. Now that's Catholicism in action. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic Catholic News Pick number four. Hats off to Catholic News Service. The public health guidance from Howard County, Maryland, prohibits the reception of communion as a condition for churches to reopen. Baltimore Archbishop William Lloyd said the church expressed its serious concerns to county government and said the distribution of communion could be done safely. For the Catholic community, the reception of communion is central to our faith lives and to our public worship, Archbishop Lori said. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Despicable! Catholic News Pick number three. Hats off to LifeSite News. Cardinal Gerhard Müller, the former prefect of the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, has in a recent interview argued against allowing Protestants to receive Holy Communion with Catholics and against female ordination. (laughs) You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick number two. Hats off to the Huffington Post. At least 100 Catholic schools across the country might permanently close their doors, affecting at least 50,000 students. Oh, no! 
You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick Number One. Hats off to the blaze. Disney has introduced a gay couple on its kids' cartoon, DuckTales. The show's producer said that relevant LGBTQ plus narratives are in the works. You're an idiot! You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Warning to snowflakes. If he thinks it, he says it. It's time now for Joe Sixpack's Common Sense Catholic Commentary. As I record this, riots are taking place in scores of American cities. Billions of dollars worth of property have been destroyed. Thousands of small businesses have been ruined beyond recovery. Largely unreported by the lamestream media, many innocent people have been severely hurt. This has got to stop. I support any form of nonviolent protest, whether I agree with the protest or not. After all, that's one reason I served in uniform. But the riots and looting across the nation aren't rights anyone has. There are two very different things happening here. During the daylight hours, with little exception, there are constitutionally protected protests taking place. After the sun goes down, agitators move in to promote rioting, looting, and property destruction. The most primary responsibility of government, whether it's federal, state, county, or city, is the protection of innocent citizens and their private property. That isn't being done. Antifa is finally declared as the domestic terrorist organization that it is, but the various governments aren't protecting us against them. So what can the American people do? The Second Amendment was included in the Bill of Rights so the people can be guaranteed they can be armed to stand up against a tyrannical government. But a side benefit of this is that the American people can protect themselves, their family, and their property. That means regardless of what state you live in, that every American citizen has the right to do what mayors and governors refuse to do, defend the cities they live in. These riots should have been stopped cold in their tracks the night they began, but these mayors and governors have some moronic idea that if they just leave the rioters alone, they'll get bored and go home. Guess what? They're not getting bored. They have no intention of going home. As of this moment that I'm recording this, neither the National Guard nor the police have done a damn thing to end the riots. The mayors and governors apparently think that just having the National Guard cops show up will intimidate the rioters. They haven't been intimidated a bit. Consequently, every innocent American life is in danger of serious injury or death. Under the Fifth Commandment, we not only have a right to use the minimal force necessary to defend our lives and property, but we actually have a moral obligation, a duty, to defend our lives and the lives of others, as well as the personal property of ourselves and others. Therefore, since mayors and governors won't do what they're obligated to do, we're free to do it in their place. I'm not telling you that you need to go into the cities where you live armed and intent on the use of force to stop the rioters. Each man has to decide this for himself, because each man has to be guided by his own conscience. Each man also has to understand that his decisions will be impacted by the civil authority, whether that authority is right or not. 
I can't use a firearm safely anymore, and I haven't even owned a gun for decades. I live near St. Louis, but I'd never go up there armed on my own for a private crusade. What I would do, though, is recruit as many other men as I could to go with me to the city in defense of society. I would go with my mind made up to use whatever forces necessary to rescue the citizens and businesses of St. Louis. As I said, I'm not telling you that you need to go into the cities where you lived armed and intent on the use of force to stop the rioters. You have to decide that for yourself. I just wanted you to realize that you have the right to do so under the Fifth Commandment and the Constitution. That's awesome! Learn things about the Catholic faith you never knew in Joe Sixpack's Secrets of the Catholic Faith. There are many essentials to our holy and ancient faith that few modern Catholics know. Those essentials have become, well, secrets, hence the title Secrets of the Catholic Faith. Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, is always exciting, never boring, and completely politically incorrect. He never shies away from the so-called untouchable moral issues. With his use of humor and directness, readers and students can never get enough of what he teaches. According to Joe, there isn't one single teaching of the Catholic Church that can't be completely demonstrated to an inquiring mind. Everything can be demonstrated. But the Catholic laity aren't being taught these things. They're being fed pablum when they need and want meat. Secrets of the Catholic Faith is actually exciting, and it will make any Catholic's chest swell with pride. So get your copy of Secrets of the Catholic Faith by Joe Sixpack, the Every Catholic Guy, today in print or ebook on Amazon, Apple Books, Barnes and Noble, and Kobo. I believe a really great way to teach the faith is through stories, parables, and anecdotes. So here's today's story. In the second century, there lived a widowed mother named Felicitas. She and her seven sons were staunch Christians. Despite decrees against the faith, despite threats of dire punishments, Felicitas and her sons practiced their Catholic faith openly and fervently. Their example won over many converts and angered the pagan priests, who complained to Emperor Antonius that this family was drawing many people away from worship of the gods. The pagan priests told the emperor that this angered the gods, and they'd only be appeased when this widow made sacrifices to them. Privately and publicly, the Roman officials coaxed, bribed, and threatened Felicitas and her sons, but to no avail. To the Roman threats and promises, the faithful widow replied, My children will live eternally with Christ if they're faithful to him, but must expect eternal death if they sacrifice to idols. Turning to her son, she exclaimed, My sons, look up to heaven, where Jesus Christ and his saints expect you. Be faithful in his love and fight courageously for your souls. One by one, before her very eyes, the sons of Felicitas were put to a cruel death. Finally, she who suffered the pain of bringing them into the world and the pain of ushering them into eternal life was also beheaded four months after her first child had been put to death. St. Felicitas and her sons acknowledged the one true God. They refused to sacrifice to any of the pagan gods. 
In defense of their faith, they were generous enough to give their very lives in sacrifice to God. The thought of heaven and eternal possession of God gave them the strength they needed. What about you? Help your fellow Catholic six-packers. They need to be listening to the Cantankerous Catholic, and you can help them find it better if you leave a review at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Leaving a review will make it easier for other Catholics to find the Cantankerous Catholic, because reviews cause the podcasting platforms to show it more often. And I thank you in advance for leaving a review. This has been The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Thanks for subscribing, and be sure to visit cantankerouscatholic.com to get your free copy of Joe's popular book, The Best of What We Believe, Why We Believe It.